0: Alabama has an experience eight years in the making. Texas is flying dangerously close to the sun and Colorado's double overtime win against Colorado State came at the cost of its most talented player. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. it's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching on Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we're going to recap Florida upsetting Tennessee in the swamp. We're going to get into Colorado and Colorado State, the game that kept me up till 3 a.m. local time. And we're going to take a look at my top 25 rankings and the Associated Press top 25 rankings. And Try to figure out just who's good heading into week four. But first, let's start with the 9 p.m. Central Standard Time kick that was the Rocky Mountain Showdown, otherwise known as Colorado versus Colorado State. And I got to tell you, I really love talking about Coach Prime's Colorado because of all the other things that are also going on around outstanding football. Notably, on the sideline, Offset, Cardi B's man was not only doing sideline interviews with ESPN, but also was out here absolutely telling you to go cop his mixtape. This man got on national television and said, go cop my album. This man got on national television and said, hey, uh, get my sound class streams up. Once a hustler, always a hustler. Once trapping, always trapping. I ain't mad at you. You know, are we out here? Just go ahead and tell everybody go watch Bongos. I love that. And then, he has to be on the sideline. Make them say, telling you, we had No Limit Studios in Boulder, Colorado. And that's on top of The Rock. Still being on the sideline, you know, just hanging out. I don't think I've ever seen The Rock hang out on a college football sideline, especially one that is kicking at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> I love this, this is crazy, this is great. I got to see Offset and Wayne and Master P on the same day. The week before I got to see Cameron, Gilly the Kid, Wu-Tang, who do I have when USC comes to town? My God, Snoop, Dr. Dre, Hube, y'all all better beat man. I better see NWA, nine wins assumed on this show, showing up to Colorado. But that is to watch the outstanding football that's also being played by the Colorado Buffalo uh, Buffalos. And frankly, most of the teams they play, like even Nebraska, was entertaining. One of the things I thought was massive about what I got to see from that Colorado game was just how good Shadur Sanders is. OK, I've said it before. He's my Heisman candidate. Right. Top. I had this back in December. We got the receipt. You can go check it. It's on the Fox Sports uh, website. And it's because of games like last night. Without his best receiver, who we'll talk about in a little bit, Shador Sanders took the ball down eight with 206 left on the clock and drove the Buffaloes down the field. Not just for a score, but a two-point conversion where he ran an RPO where he had immense pressure looking like he's going to get waylaid and found Michael Harrison in the back of the end zone to tie the game up at 28. It is a man who went 38 of 47 for 348 yards, four TDs, and his first pick of the season. That's completing 81% of your passes, folks. That dude is him. He is elite. I've been trying to tell everybody this and everybody keeps telling me that I'm wrong and he keeps winning. Going back to high school, the man is 73 and hate. Winners win. That's who Shador Sanders is. He is the most important player Colorado. And you can see how that is true because they couldn't run the football with Dylan Edwards. They they barely could complete passes in the first half. And they were down 11 to start the fourth quarter. And they come back and win this thing in double overtime each time. We got to see Sean Lewis put the ball in the hands of Shadur Sanders and said, hey, go win it. At the end of the game, Shadur was so cold. He was so cool. Said, what'd you think when you were down, you know, eight and you had the ball, 206 left to play? Said Brady mode. As in Tom Brady mode. As in they left me too much time. Golly. Now you out here talking about it's Colorado State. I don't give a damn. You play who's on the schedule. Did you beat them? Did you win? Are you undefeated? Are you 3-0? and Because that's what Colorado is. Alabama ain't no 3-0. LSU ain't no 3-0. You, you get what I'm saying here? Clemson ain't no 3-0. Come on now. Give the roses where the roses are due. And they are due to that dude wearing number two. Okay, but he had to find a way and he had to find a way in a manner that we hoped he wouldn't have to all year because Travis Hunter had to leave the game due to injury. And the injury was so severe that he was taken out of the football stadium and to a local hospital. Injury came on a play when Colorado State's up 14 to 7 and Shudor Sanders is found or thought he might find Travis Hunter out on a route. And he overthrew him and you could see Henry Blackburn load up and absolutely go straight into Travis Hunter's ribs. There's no question to me he was trying to hurt him. And you could see from the angle for which Travis got hit that he was off the ground. So he didn't have his balance. And you could see Blackburn wasn't looking for the ball. Not a single play on the ball. Loaded up his shoulder and threw it into Travis Hunter's rib cage. Now. Following this, you could think maybe he got the wind knocked out of him, and that's what we hope. But the way that he went down and the way that his body language showed him hitting the ground the way he did, you could see that it was more than getting the wind knocked out of him. And following the game, Coach Prime said, hey, the first thing I heard is that he's probably going to be out for two weeks. It might be longer because they're trying to keep him healthy because Prime has always put the health of his players above playing them. It's the reason you haven't seen uh, Alton McCaskill IV playing at tailback, who's the most talented tailback in that room right now, because he wants all these dudes to feel great when they go play. And he had the same issue with Hunter last year at Jackson State. He had an ankle injury, right? But he wanted to play against FAMU. And Prime had to put him through his paces, going, "You you have to tell me. You have to tell me if you are not okay. And Prime had to trust him to tell him whether or not he's going to be okay. But that ankle, when he went out to FAMU, didn't get worse. And he's still the player that he was. But you also know that he's the kind of guy that will make plays. And Shadour will go look for him on third and long situations. We'll go look for him when it's winning time. He did against Texas Christian. He did against Nebraska. There's no doubt to me that he would have done it against Colorado State. And maybe that game does not get out of hand the way that it did for the Buffaloes. But I was just so mad at this injury. Because, A, Blackburn didn't have to do it. B, Blackburn wears a C at Colorado State. He's a senior. He's from there. There was no reason for this. And now we have to watch Colorado play the rest of—well, I say the rest of the season—at least the next couple of weeks, which are Oregon and USC, perhaps the two biggest games on their schedule all year, without their most talented player. But it also puts the onus back on Shadur Sanders, who— is already passed with 1,251 yards through three games. He's averaging 417 yards a game through the air. He's got a 10-to-1 TD-to-INT ratio, and they're going to need him. He might throw the ball 50 times against Oregon because they just haven't been able to run the football with Dylan Edwards back there. Maybe we get to see Alton McCaskill the fourth for the first time all year at Autzen Stadium, but we're also... I got questions about Cormani McLean and whether or not it's time to try to see what you got. Now, Prime said a couple weeks ago that Cormani has to be ready. He has to get ready to play, which is another way of Prime saying he ain't ready to play. So they went out there with Kendrick Breedlove in Travis Hunter's stead. And Kendrick Breedlove, transferred from Ole Miss, was getting his grits cooked by Torrey. Okay, Tori Horton was out there just running blue right 92 to death. All right. I ran an air raid, okay? I'm an air raid quarterback. I love the air raid. I grew up around the air raid. Mike Leach was running an air raid in 2000, or excuse me, uh, 99 at Oklahoma, right? And that's kind of the identity that I grew up around. And one of the things you'll notice about most high school football teams is they kind of mirror the college team that's closest. So back in the day, we used to run a lot of wishbone around here too. So I come up at a time when we throw an air raid, which means quick game, trying to get the ball out. And we're trying to get matchups we can win. And Blue-right 92, otherwise known as Mesh, is a man-beater. And Charles Kelly likes to run a lot of man. So they just kept running Torrey Horton on a shallow cross. And Kendrick Bleedluck couldn't do nothing with it. So much so that on the sideline toward the end of the game, I'm watching Prime coach this dude up on how to be a DB. Like, he's absolutely saying, put your hands on this man. Don't let him get off the line on you. That's That's going to be tough against Troy Franklin and them on Saturday, because Troy Franklin is that dude at Oregon. Okay, and they got an outstanding run game, right? No winning team Jordan James. Them dudes can go. That defense is going to be rip roaring and ready to go. And again, that game's in Austin, So I don't think you're going to find too many people picking Colorado to upset Oregon. But what else is new? Right? This is what people have been doing all year. They're waiting on Colorado to lose. I've never seen so many people waiting on one team to lose. It's almost like USC back in 2004, 2005. They're just not that talented, right? But the same sort of way that most people outside of South Central felt about that team, it's how I think many people feel about Colorado. You either with them or you with them or against them. And we, mostly black folks, but all the folks that love style and flash and high flying antics. Love watch Colorado play football, but Oregon's gonna get up for this game in a real way. They're a 19 and a half point favorite at a line I looked at, but the line ain't been right on Colorado game all year. Like they were a 22 point favorite, 27 to some against Colorado State. That game was tight, winning a double overtime. Nebraska was picked to win and be a favorite against Colorado. Texas Christian the same. The line doesn't mean anything when Colorado plays football, right? Because the line is set by a bunch of people who are either heavily betting against, heavily betting on so for so on. But I think they're they're going to have to try to figure this thing out in the secondary because it used to be you could just run on Colorado, who's given up, like, 242 a game before going to Colorado State. And then we got a mummy calling the offense, uh, and yet they could throw, right? We got to see what it looks like when an air raid just decides to go after Colorado's defense. It just means that the defense has to bend and not break. But shouts to Shiloh Sanders, who also had – a pick six and a forced fumble and a pass defended in this game with a TD, right? I mean, he had a couple where he got his grits cooked too, but that's going to happen when you play DB. But I got to tell you, it was nostalgia, it was present, and it was futuristic when I saw 21 and Sanders on the back high-stepping toward the end zone on a pick six. I Man, I'll bet that just lit his father up. And if you are prime, this has got to be awesome. Your kid is one of the best players in the sport at quarterback. And the dude that's wearing your number on the defense is playing a lot like you might on the defense, having a lot of fun. And I hope he continues to have fun. We're going to talk more about Oregon and Colorado on our Wednesday show when I go through this thing, picking games. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell y'all that I went five and one on Saturday. You know, something, something about watching football makes it a little bit easier to pick games. But this is the one game that I got wrong. Florida upsets number 11, Tennessee, 29 to 16. Trevor Etienne, that yeah, that's 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 the little brother, right? Went for 172 career yards and career high for him in yards and a TD in that game. Montreal Johnson did what I thought he could do. He scored twice for Florida. Tennessee just looked bad, right? But it also is. I'm starting to believe Tennessee fans when they talk about some voodoo and some hoodoo that she do down in the swamp. Whatever it is, you know, they put that bullet cloud on them. I, I don't know what what they be doing with that, that route be strong in Gainesville when Tennessee come to town because we're talking about, what is this, 10 straight losses in Gainesville for Tennessee? They haven't won there since 2003? That's 20 years. And I thought, you know, Joe Milton and them, they were going to get that offense humming right along, and that would be all she wrote. But shout out to Billy Napier, who played ball control. Graham merch didn't have to do a whole lot. 19-24 to 24 for 166 and a TD. But he didn't throw the ball to the other team, which I thought he might do. And that Florida defense was running downhill saying, hey, Jalen Wright, you will get nothing. Joe Milton, we're going to force you to throw the ball earlier than you want to. And because that that offense is predicated on going very, very fast and being accurate in the quick game, it's just real difficult to ask your defense to continue to go out there if the offense is going to be out there for all of 90 seconds and give the ball back. And then you're going to get pounded on again by this running back dude, that's really, really good. So we go from wondering whether or not Florida is going to be any good at all in week one after they lost to a Utah team that didn't have Cam rising to, goodness me, Florida going to be ranked come week four? I love this because this is usually how college football goes. But for Tennessee, this is a terrible loss. This is bad. This This might be the worst loss this year so far. Because Florida losing to Utah without Cam Rising, that shouldn't have happened knowing what this team is capable of or either either that or Tennessee's just not that good. We're going to find out, right? The SEC East will figure itself out. The SEC will figure itself out. But I was really floored that this game went the way it went. Balls had five false start penalties, burned two timeouts, had to delay a game. And after they went up 7-0, I remember sending a text to Producer Cat, who's a Tennessee alumna, and going, light work. And then Florida ran off 26 straight points. That's how it be sometimes. And frankly, that reflected in the Associated Press Poll's top 25 rankings. Look at the week four rankings, at number 25, right there, Florida, got in. But you'll see at number 23, the team they just beat, Tennessee. This will never make sense to me. I will never be okay with this. This is what I was running into the first time that I was trying to do the rankings here at Fox Sports. And I was trying to come up with something that I thought was a little bit more egalitarian and democratic and y'all hated it. So I got away with it. We went away from it and we do eye testing things now. But if I'm a Florida fan, I'm like, how difficult would it be for y'all to just make us 23 and them 25 if you got to have them in there at all? Instead, you got to see a team that you just beat by two scores right ahead of you. Why? Because some voters apparently still think that Tennessee is a better football team than Florida, even though we got a scoreboard that says Florida beat Tennessee. Scoreboard got to mean something, guys. I understand that people really like to put what they think is an I test team up against another I test team. But if you get your butt kicked, that should reflect here. Otherwise, what the hell are we doing? Why are we playing? Why do we ask the kids to go out there and sweat and risk injury if we're not going to respect the score? Stupid. I'm telling you. And then at number three, we got Texas here who is flying, as I said, very close to the sun. I don't know that Texas is the number three team in the country. But then again, I was sure that Florida State wasn't the number three team in the country, and they dropped four off of a win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got questions about them, and I got questions about Penn State, and I got questions about Washington. And frankly, I was having this conversation with producer Tyler about what we, who we think is good. And this is before Georgia and Michigan at play. We're like, okay, most of us agree about Georgia and Michigan, and then their first half looked real suspect. I saw J.J. McCarthy throw three interceptions to Bowling Green, and Georgia was down 14-3 to at half to South Carolina at home. So now you can go, really? One through what? Golly, it's really difficult to look at one through five and say which one of those teams is the best. And it's really difficult to basically go, I could pick 20 of these teams right now and feel good about it, right? And as far as making the college football playoff, because we don't really know much, but we're about to, we're about to. The reason that it's real difficult to nail down who's good is the out-of-conference schedules are really slated to, you know, the blue blood, they get to pick who they pay, or who they play and who they pay. So, for instance, Ohio State stopped a mud hole in Western Kentucky and walked it dry. Rock bottomed the Hilltoppers, 63 to 10. But then you'll look and they paid one point eight million dollars to WKU for that game. Right. Uh, it's this is why it's difficult. Like the best team that Ohio State has played so far this year is Indiana. And Indiana ain't no good. A, 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 ain't no good. And we got Texas at three here because I think of an over-evaluation for their win against Alabama, who sits there at number 13 and is outside the top 10 for the first time since 2015. Again, this is a new feeling for Alabama fans of late. Who, man, there's an eight-year-old who's never seen Alabama outside of the top 10 till today. Wild. And you already got people going, is Nick Saban over it? I'm going, oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Alabama ain't got no quarterback. We know that for sure At against South Florida. I think Jalen Milroe is going to probably get the start because he looks the best of those three against Ole Miss and Tuscaloosa. But again, the last time Jalen Milroe got a start and it was in Tuscaloosa, you lost to this Texas team. I don't think that Alabama is as good as we might have thought. But I don't think that Texas is that much better than USC, which is the only team here that absolutely terrifies me. Absolutely terrifies me. There's nothing you can do to stop Caleb Williams doing what he does. They got two tailbacks that I trust. They got four wide receivers that I trust. And they got a defense that looks credible. We're going to find out because fortunate for us, the Pac-12 is heavy, man. Look at this. You got Washington at eight. You got Oregon at 10. You got Utah at 11. That's four teams inside the top 11 from the Pac-12. And that's where we talk about Oregon State, who is a hammer, and talk about Wazoo at 21. Who is a hammer? We're gonna learn some stuff about the Pac-12. I would not be surprised to find out the Pac-12 gets a team in the college football playoff in its final year. And that would be poetic, right? Be Shakespearean, but it'd also be poetic. Looking at my rankings uh, compared to the AP top 25. I saw no reason to change what I mostly had, right? Basically, I didn't have a change until I got to seven, where I moved Florida State up because I had just I I can't let that Tennessee loss slide. You can see they're at 25 for me, but I also got Clemson at 24. I think Clemson is a good football team that did not show that against Duke. And the more I watch that Duke game and the more I watch Duke play football, it's not just that Duke's a good football team. It's that Clemson played a awfully weird football game against Duke on Labor Day. I think they're going to clean it up. I think they're going to be okay. But I'm looking at Texas at five, which is where I put the team that I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you make the college football playoff. Maybe you win the big 12 championship, but then the team I got ranked at 16, my Oklahoma Sooners, they look capable of playing and winning a Big 12 championship. Again, Oklahoma fans going, RJ, didn't we do this last year? Didn't we do this last year when they went 3 0 and they stopped the mud hole in Nebraska? We felt real good and we all we do is go six and seven. Yeah, 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 we did. But you know what? We're here again. And and you only get 12 games. So I'm I'm gonna be positive. I'm I'm going to think positive thoughts. I'm going, I'm going to get on my Leroy Thompson. And I'm gonna put my hands together and I'm gonna say, national championship cometh to me now, I'm gonna speak it into existence Rainbow word of God. I'm gonna speak it into existence because what 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 else do we have to do here? I'm not, I refuse to be pessimistic at this point. I can't, you know, I'm over it. And if you're a Michigan fan, you're like, okay, cool, glad we got that that bad win out of our system before you start to play. Your Big Ten schedule, Ohio State at number three, they get to prove it for me and others against Notre Dame later this week. So does Notre Dame for that matter. That's going to be fun. Both of those teams are so evenly matched for me, man. Like I can't wait to see a good, solid Ohio State defense play against a good, solid Notre Dame offense. I think that's going to be spectacular. I'm so looking forward to that game. But there's a bunch of games on tap this weekend that I'm so looking forward to. We mentioned Colorado, Oregon. Alabama, Ole Miss is going to be awesome. I really like looking at that. Oregon State versus Washington State is sneaky good. You're going to see a hammer of a defense versus a high-flying explosive offense with a defensive head coach. I mean, this is going to be awesome. Like, I'm so looking forward to this week in a way that we weren't looking forward to last week. But I'm also kind of... Circling around like Washington going, okay, I know that Michael Penix is good. I'm not sure about Washington. You know, you beat the hell out of a Michigan State team that is in the the middle of a sexual harassment scandal for its head coach. You had to pull Mark D'Antonio out of retirement to make sure that the ship continued to sail the direction that it's supposed to. We'll see. Utah. I don't know anything about Utah. Who does? Cam Brazen ain't played. You know what I'm saying? Like, are they better? I would think so because I think Cam Rising makes them a better football team because they basically have an Alabama problem right now. They've just been able to overcome it in the way that Alabama hasn't because Utah didn't play Texas. Utah played Florida, who beat Tennessee. Nothing makes sense. No- nothing makes sense right now. LSU looks like, okay, cool. We have figured out perhaps that we can fix our own mistakes and be a great football team because that's what it is, right? And that's how I do these rankings. If everything goes the way that it should, Who wins? Talent on talent, coach on coach, player on player, schematic for schematic. That's how you do these things now. And and frankly, again, I go back to USC. That's the only team I feel like I know something about. And it's the only team that I think terrifies me. But I'm also looking at Colorado going, okay, they're going to start sliding because Travis Hunter means so much to them. I mean, you're you're losing two players, but also we're going to see what kind of depth they have. And I think they're pretty deep. I think you can go to Kamari McLean if you must, right? I think that Kendrick Breedlove's probably going to get his butt coached off this week by Charles Kelly, who had to be driven mad watching <laughs> watching Tory Horton just go to work on him with the same play. All right, you can see I also got I got Alabama ranked right ahead of Colorado, 13 and 14, and I'm looking at that, and it didn't dawn on me until I had done it because I'm trying to do these things as they come. That that would be one hell of a bowl game. Nick Saban versus Prime? Charles Kelly versus Alabama. I'm here for it. Shadour Sanders versus that defense, who, by the way, is filthy. Like we're focused on the quarterback situation because, well, people focus on quarterbacks and you know, being a quarterback, I understand. But the defenses are the reason that these teams are good or bad. And Alabama can play defense. And I, I think it's a kind of, frankly, it's the kind of football team that Nick Saban likes to have. He doesn't like high-flying offenses. He uses them because they win, right? What he would rather do is throw the ball into the stomach of a running back and pound people and then play outstanding defense, murder ball, as people like to call it. And we're going to see how far that can carry them in this SEC because they might be just the third best team in their own division. We're going to figure out a lot about them. We're going to figure out a lot about Clemson and Florida State. Florida State on fraud alert for me, 31-29 to B.C., in a game where BC had 18 penalties for 131 yards. I don't trust this team, man. I don't know who you are. I know you're talented, but I also know you got the drop I know you can pass rush, but you can't sack the quarterback one time against BC. Show me something against Clemson in Death Valley. Then then we we'll, then we can talk about something. But you know what? I'm still inclined to think that North Carolina might be a better football team. That's where we are right now, fam. But Again, we're heading into October. It's about to become a blood sport. We're about to throw everybody into a Fortnite Battle Royale and say, fight! I'm so excited to talk about it. We're going to have lots more to come later this week when we do our Wednesday show, where I will pick games, we'll advance games, we'll talk about some really outstanding players that we expect to continue to compete for the Heisman Trophy, and we're going to get set for our first real go at conference play. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Cordaggi. That's John Marcus technical directing for us today. Kiara Santana is our production assistant. Our social media maven who is up with me at 3 a.m. in the morning. Javion Duncan to the heart with that man. And our leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torn Westfall. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all on Wednesday.